The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. On our lesson there, uh, you can see it printed on page 11. And I'll just be really honest with you here this morning. In some ways, I feel very unfit to preach on the subject of racism, just for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I'm white, and I'm a male. <laughs> and sometimes it really hits me like how privileged that status is in our world. I was recently out shopping, and, and somebody came up to me that I didn't know at all and said, do you drive a BMW or a Mercedes? And I said, I have a Honda Civic. <laughs> but it made me realize that the way people see me is that he's a white male. And yet God has called me to comfort those who do suffer in this world where people see color so often. And so I'm just going to ask your indulgence this morning as we address this very sensitive topic. Let's read it together. We'll read it together from Acts chapter, chapter 10. I'll begin reading right there at verse 34. And God's, it's amazing what happens here. Peter's going to have this epiphany. He's going to come to this new knowledge that God has really started a brand new humanity. And here's what he says. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. We are witnesses of everything He did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He, has not seen, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to date myself a little bit. It used to be, and I can remember these days, when the internet was supposed to be this brand new raceless utopia. Remember those heady days? This was supposed to be the place where everybody could feel comfortable in their own skin because you couldn't see skin. All you could see was characters on a blinking screen. And this was supposed to be this new world where everybody treated each other with equality and with justice. And then we began to use these characters on the blinking screen to, to uh, express emotion. Remember that too? 
we, would, we actually had little uh, signs that we would use. You could send in your emails or text messages a colon plus a left-facing parenthesis. And that was signifying happiness. Remember those these days? I'm dating myself a little bit. Or you could send in a text message or an email a semicolon plus a left-facing parenthesis, and this was supposed to mean a little winky face. And we would call these, for long, we'd call them icons, emotion icons. And then for short, you know what we call them now for short? Emoticons. And then all of a sudden we wanted to begin to express ourselves, like really express ourselves, and so we began to adopt what we now call emojis. And there is literally now emojis for any human emotion or any activity under the face of the sun. And at first, these emojis, it was really interesting. You could send a thumbs up. You know what color they always were? What skin tone? White. Go figure, right? All the emojis were white. And then in 2015, it wasn't that long ago, actually, it was two years ago, when the Unicode Consortium, because that's what it's called, the Unicode Consortium gave users the opportunity to pick the skin cone color that they would use to send their little thumbs up to their friend. And so you could match your skin tone with the thumbs up that you would send. You remember these days? It wasn't that long ago now, 2015. And all of a sudden, the users had a very angst-filled choice. What color thumbs up am I going to send? I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. All of a sudden, I had to make a choice. Am I going to match my skin tone with the thumbs up that I'm going to send? Am I going to use the default color of the thumbs up? Or am I going to express solidarity with people that I love, with friends of mine, and use a darker skin tone. And you know what? Inevitably, I all, almost always chose never to use white. And still to this day, I don't, because it doesn't feel right to me to send a thumbs up that's white. And I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not telling you this because I'm sort of unique or something like that. I'm telling you this because a lot of white people out there feel the same way. In fact, there was an, a recent study that was done on Twitter. Most of the people, most of the users on Twitter have white skin. And yet, you know what emoji colors they use? Almost never white. And so there's this question out there, there's this question out there, why? Why do people with white skin not use white emojis? And that's a very complex answer, isn't it? And it would be too simplistic to try to give one here today, but here's one truth, one truth 
that I think all of us can absolutely agree with. That for sure we can say that racism is alive and well. And it reaches into every corner of our lives, even to the fact that we have to make angst-filled choices about which emoji we're going to use to express a thumbs up. Peter had a similar angst-filled choice right before our lesson. He was asking himself not what color emoji he was going to send. He was actually asking himself the question, should I, a Jew, enter the house of Cornelius, a Gentile? And he wasn't going to go. He didn't think that that was a good idea because he was still living in this pre-Easter frame of mind. What he didn't understand was that Jesus' ministry was to Jew and Gentile. What he didn't fully come to grasp yet was that Jesus had come not just for the powerful or the majority of our culture, but he had come mostly for those on the margins of culture those on the margins of society. What Peter still did not fully embrace yet was when Jesus died with his arms spread wide open on the cross, he was embracing people of every color, every nation, and every language. But Peter hadn't worked that out yet. And so God, what God was going to do was he was going to patiently Move him along. And these are, to me, in the book of Acts, these are some of the most incredibly powerful chapters in the whole book. You need to go back and read Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 because here's what God does. He does something that is almost without precedent. What he does is he first of all sends an angel to Cornelius and says, you got to send for the apostle Peter. But then he sends to Peter a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. And we don't have time in the sermon to go through all of this. But then what Peter does, what the, what the Spirit does, is he speaks directly to Peter and he says this, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And if you read this chapter, what you realize is that God is pulling every single string, that God is directing everything that's happening in Peter's life so that he could come to a profound and a new realization. In fact, the last time that God sent an angel and that God spoke through His Holy Spirit directly to a person, you know, remember when? The incarnation of our Lord. I mean, this is, this is how earth-shaking of a moment, this, this, this truth that God is pushing into Peter's life really is. It's on the same level as the incarnation of our Lord that Peter is now going to come to understand in the book of Acts. And here's how St. Luke then 
tells us this story. And now we're into our verses. We're starting at verse 34. St. Luke starts by telling us exactly how hard this is going to be for Peter. Because he says it this way. The NIV translation says, Then Peter began to speak. But what St. Luke is really doing is he's taking the camera and he's panning in to the face of Peter. Because literally we could translate those words saying, and Peter opened his mouth. So it's like St. Luke wants you to see his beard and his tongue moving because the next thing that Peter says is this incredible proclamation from God. And here's what Peter then says. He says, I now realize. I think that's my favorite phrase in the whole sermon right there. I now realize. So this is an epiphany. You know an epiphany is like it's this aha moment like, wow. Now I understand. Like, the very fact that I had an angst-filled decision about whether I was going to walk into the house of a person of a different race, I now understand that that was wrong. I now understand that God doesn't see color. I now understand that God doesn't play favorites. I now understand that God is not a respecter of persons. He's come to this amazing realization and he finishes the sentence by saying this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And it's kind of funny if you think about it because Peter thought, he thought, that he was going to Cornelius' house to convert him. That's what he thought. He thought God wanted him to go to Cornelius and say to him, you know that God you've been worshiping for a while? I can give him a name. His name is Jesus Christ because he died for your sins and he rose again and you can put his faith, your faith in him. Peter thought that that's why he was going to Cornelius' house. But you know what the greater conversion is in this lesson? It's not the fact that the Holy Spirit came down on Cornelius and his family and they began to speak in tongues. That's not the greatest conversion. The greatest conversion in this lesson is Peter himself. I now realize. It's like God had taken a wrecking ball to this idea that one race is loved by God more than another. It's like, it's like God had taken this crane and, and smashed with that wrecking ball this idea that, that God somehow values certain cultures and certain behaviors more than another. And Peter was instead converted to the idea that everyone, everyone, is saved in the exact same way. In fact, it seems like as Peter's speaking with Cornelius' household, that he's working this out. Because what he does is he says over and over and over again, 
the universality of the gospel message. He says over and over, he uses words like all and everyone, and then he comes to this culminating statement and he says this, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. And this is one of the... This is one of the biggest statements in the whole Bible. This is justification by faith alone. And you know what that does? It flattens out the world. That's what it does. It flattens out the world so that everyone of every language and race and color who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, receives forgiveness. Everyone. Everyone? Every single person. Peter, he was questioning whether he should enter Cornelius' house, but you know what the Gospel teaches? Everyone enters into God's house in Jesus' name. This is really important for those of you, especially who have experienced racism out there. And I want to speak to those of you who have experienced racism in this world. Sometimes you need to shut your ears to what other people are saying and just believe what God is saying. God doesn't see color. What He does is loves every single one of you equally, and he saves every single one of you in the exact same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're saying to yourself, and I agree with you, that our world, our world, I think, needs another Peter moment, like another epiphany, don't you think? To realize that God doesn't play favorites, because the conversation about race doesn't just end with what color emoji or emoticon that you're going to send to your friend. It extends to every part of your life. And I really mean that. I mean, you, you have to think for yourself and remember that this is just the beginning because this is about how you're going to treat that guy sitting across from you on the train who's got a plunging neckline and tight jeans on. You have to think about how you're going to treat that guy. And you have to think about here in New York City when you go into your apartment building and it smells like curry. You have to think about how you're going to, how you're going to treat that Pakistani family that lives down the hall. You have to think about the fact when you enroll your children in school, you have to think about the fact, am I going to bypass the local school because it gets bad grades and there's so many different races mixed up in it and take my kid to the school with mostly white kids down there because there's better test grades. You have to think about that in New York City, don't you? 
You have to think about whether you're going to treat the guy with the Armani suit on differently than the guy sitting on the corner who stinks to high heaven. These are the things that we need to think about as Christians, and maybe we too need to have a little bit of a Peter moment and realize that God loves everyone. And I mean everyone the same. And everyone, every single person, is saved in the exact same I'm not going to pretend to stand up here and tell you, how you what kinds of emojis you, you should send around. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to tell you what school you should enroll your kid in. These are hard choices. These are very difficult decisions. But hear what I will tell you. Let your decisions, every single one of them, be filled with grace. Let your decisions about how you're going to interact with other people, demonstrate that this world is completely flat and colorblind when it comes to this world. And the last thing I want to say is this. Let this place, let this church be a sanctuary. A safe place where every single person is saved by grace alone. Amen.